Morning, Jenny. How's everybody doing today? Good, good. Good to see you here today. We are um, excited about what God's doing here and what God's going to do today. Uh, it's interesting to me that, um, you know, Kim and I, we sold our house back in uh, early summer and moved to the country, moved up into a place called Walton Plantation in Laurel Hill. And we have been either living in our RV and or in this little cabin that was on the property. And our RV was supposed to be in the shop for about an hour and a half, and uh, it wound up being there for nine, eight and a half weeks. And so we moved into the cabin during the winter months, and so it had no heat in it. And so we have these little space heaters and kerosene heaters and lots of blankets. And, uh, and so we finally got our camper back this week, and so we're getting ready to start renovations this coming weekend, and we're adding addition and ultimately heat and air conditioning. And so the, yesterday I was out after it warmed up to 38 degrees, um, I was out and I took my tractor and I was unloading some, some stuff. I had some blocks and some things off the trailer, getting ready to lay the foundation and everything. And so I took the forks on my tractor and I run up under see, a, a pallet of four by sixes. And I'm thinking, Hey, I'm not going to pick these things up by hand. I have a tractor with forks. And so I picked it up, pulled it up. I backed away from the trailer. And the next thing I know, boom. The front of the tractor is on the ground. The rear end where I'm sitting is up in the air, and I'm looking down at a pallet of four by sixes. And so, you know, it was an interesting afternoon. And so I wound up having to pick every one of those things up and tote them anyway, by hand. So sometimes when you try to work smarter, you wind up working harder as well. But I say that to tell you we're starting, we're, we're in week two of overcoming, and today we're going to be talking about overcoming fear. And uh, I'm going to share with you some of my fears and phobias and some of the things that I've had to address down through the years, and then we're going to pray for some folks here in the altar today, and I believe that God is going to set some people free in the house this morning. How about that? Overcome means to get the better of. It means to succeed in dealing with a problem or difficulty. Last week we talked about uh, how overcoming requires complete dependence on God for everything in our life. Uh, we talked about overcoming is also equated with enduring, that we've got to persevere. Overcoming doesn't necessarily mean something goes away, but that you know how or learn how to deal with it and you move ahead in spite of it. And then our overcomers are followers of Christ who successfully resist the power and temptation of the world system. And basically a biblical definition of an overcomer is a person who defeats someone or something in a conflict or a struggle. This week, we're talking about overcoming fear. Now, how many of you in the house would say, and, and even listening in your living rooms this morning, how many of you would say, I have had some level of fear in my life from one time at some point? All right. Don't raise your hand on this one, but I want you to answer yourself honestly. How many of you in the house today, and there again, don't raise your hand. How many of you uh, deal with fear at a level that's unhealthy? It's almost as a phobia, almost. So just keep that to yourself, but think about that. Because there are different levels of fear and different types of fear that, that, that you, have to, you have to address. Fear is an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. Um, and to that, we can go, well, yeah, that makes sense. Um, fear, though, in and of itself can be a healthy thing. If people didn't feel fear, they wouldn't be able to protect themselves from legitimate threats. I personally have a fear of snakes. As you know, if you've been around here any length of time, I talk regularly about my fear of snakes. For those of you that have never been in a Pentecostal charismatic church, we are not that type of Pentecostal charismatic church. 
And we will never be, as long as I am the pastor, we will never be a Pentecostal church that messes with snakes other than to kill every one of them that slithers within our path. That's just what we do. Um, because that's basically, I think that's why they're here. We are to kill them. Um, as often as we see them. And I get it. I know, well, they're, some of the snakes are good. I've never met a good snake. If they don't bite you and hurt you, they will make you hurt yourself. That's not good. That's a legitimate threat. Deal with it. Okay? I also have a fear of heights. Uh, I have a fear of heights, which was interesting. My tractor's not a big tractor, but it was a little scary yesterday looking down at a pallet of four by sixes from the top of the tractor. But the fear of heights, I didn't always, I haven't always had it. I, it developed in my 20s, my early 20s. Kim and I had just gotten married, and, and I had a really bad experience with a bucket truck. And uh, bucket trucks, those things, you see the power guys there, they, they swam. We swam, I was in one fixing a, 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 a rotor on my dad's TV antenna on his house. He had a big, tall tower, and because uh, out there where they lived, there was, no, there was no satellite, there was no cable or anything, so we had just, you had to get the antenna up as high as you could so you could get a channel. Well, the rotor stopped on it. And so dad said, I bought a new rotor. I need you to, I got a bucket truck. I need you to go fix that. So we're up and we swing up and we swing out. That thing is extended as far as it will extend. And we're getting close to the tower where the rotor is. And I'm standing at the edge of the bucket. And all of a sudden the bucket just goes whoosh and drops about 20 feet and stops. And when you, if you know anything about bucket trucks, they don't just stop gently. It's kind of like a bucket bungee cord. Because it just hit and it bounces and it bounces and it bounces. When it finally stopped bouncing, the guy with me in the bucket, he goes, you got to get up. I'm in the bottom of the bucket truck saying words that I should not have said, telling them, you get my to the ground. <laughs> no, my dad's down there going, get up there and fix that rotor. I'm going, I am, get me to the ground. And I have been petrified of heights ever since. To a point, to a point where, um, you know, I mean, I don't hunt out of climbing tree stands. Uh, I used to jump out of trees into creeks and rivers and stuff like that to swim. Uh, I, I just wade in now. Uh, I don't like getting on top of the house. I don't get into a tree stand that's more than 15 feet tall, and I have a rope that's 15 feet long, and when that rope stops, I know that I'm as high as I'm going. But I don't, I, it's ladders. I mean, I have to, it's got, there's got to be a firm foundation. The, the, the thing about it is, though, uh, and I also have a fear of public speaking. I'll talk about that later. I'll talk about that later. When fear, though, dominates our lives, it becomes a problem. Now, here's the thing about my fear of heights. I had to, I had to confront it if I was going to have some quality of life and do some of the things that I want to do. For example, when we started working overseas and building churches and schools and orphanages and all this kind of stuff, we were in Paris, and uh, Kim and I were there. And one of the things that's in Paris, you know, the Eiffel Tower's there. That's a tall thing. But I, I, I wanted to go up in it. I mean, I'm, I'm scared to death of heights. And when I get into the elevator, I'm trying to figure out where's the safest part of the elevator. But I go to the top of the Eiffel Tower, you know, because I wanted to do that. I wanted, and I wasn't going to let my fear of heights stop me from doing that. And there were other things that I do. I love the Grand Canyon. I, I'm a little bit, you know, when we get to the Grand Canyon, Kim gets, I get in trouble because Kim gets angry at me because I want to find a place that I can walk. I want to look down in the hole. Okay, if you, how many of you have been to the Grand Canyon? That is a big hole. And, and here's what I know. We've seen it from just about every side. It looks the same. <laughs> it's a big hole. It's a big hole. But, you know, I want to see it. It's a mile down that thing. We, we, 
go to Yellowstone, all this kind of stuff. I'm not going to, I refuse to let my fear of heights stop me from doing something that could enhance my life and the experience that I'm having in life. If fear stops you from normal activities, then it's probably an unhealthy fear and quite possibly a stronghold in your life. I am convinced, I am convinced after we, we you know, we're, this whole pandemic thing that we've been dealing with for the last couple of years, I am convinced that Satan has used this pandemic to sow a lie in the minds of people and because they believe the lie, the lie or the argument now that they believe has now become a stronghold in their life. Okay, I'm not saying that that COVID wasn't real. Okay, I know it was. My wife had it. My son had it. I probably had it. I don't know. I didn't get sick or anything like that. Didn't lose my taste or anything like that. But I also didn't leave my house and didn't wear a mask inside my house. And I've been around a lot of people. From, the, from April 1 of the pandemic, after the pandemic started in March, from April 1 until uh, the first part of February, I've either performed or been a part of 40 funerals. I've never had a season in my entire ministry of 40 years like that. Now, most of those were not COVID-related. Only two of them were. But I know a ton of people that have had COVID. We had a lot of folks in here, and we've had it in our daycare. We had to go all this kind of, I know it's real, but what I'm saying about this is that when, 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 we, when the world begins to tell you that there's danger on every hand, and you're going to die if you get this, and all this kind of stuff, and you believe that, in the face of knowing that God is your refuge and your strength and a very present help in time of trouble, you're believing a lie and you lock down and you're still locked down and you're still scared to do anything because you're afraid of getting this thing out here. Listen to me. You have believed the lie and that lie is now a stronghold because you have no quality of life and you're scared to even make a move. Okay? Now look. A lot of you watching this online today, and you went into lockdown because of COVID. Bless you, okay? And I'm not slapping you around. I'm just telling you it's time to take a look inside of your life and inside of your spirit and determine, have you believed the lie that God cannot protect you, that God cannot sustain you, that God will not be your very present help in time of trouble, okay? There's quite possibly a stronghold in your life. I'm convinced that the enemy's done this. But when fear becomes a problem, when it dominates us, here's the thing. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for me. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. The New King James Version said, I will not be brought under the power of any. Okay? The NLT in verse chapter 10 of verse, 20, uh, verse 23, of verse, same, same book, verse, uh, 1 Corinthians. I'm allowed to do anything, but everything's not good for me. You say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. So how do we overcome an unhealthy fear in our life? I'm not saying that fear, fear is a necessary part of life because it literally keeps us from legitimate threats, okay? It literally keeps it. Look, and, and there again, I'm scared of snakes. You may not be. I got grandboys that are not scared of them. I got a daughter that's not scared of them. You know, she likes, she, she doesn't mind picking up a snake. I am not picking up a snake unless it's dead and with a stick. Right, but whatever your fear is, you have to name that thing. So let's talk about this this morning. How do we overcome healthy fear? The first thing we've got to do is we've got to identify. You've got to know what it is. And you've got to determine its severity in your life. Now, I want to caveat this right here and tell you this. I am a preacher. 
I am a pastor. I am not a licensed mental health counselor. Okay, I'm not. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a therapist. I'm a pastor. I can give spiritual guidance. That's it. So I want to caveat what I'm talking about this morning to say that there are some levels of fear that you will need a professional to help you overcome them. Okay? When fear is so ingrained that it has become an irrational fear, and it is at, or if it's at the point of paralyzing you, you probably need a therapist or someone that understands that, how that works in you and in the human person, to help you move, work out of it. But here's what I do know. When you try to ignore your fear, it grows. When you face it, it shrinks. So there comes a point in time when we have to identify it and determine its severity and face into that thing. The second thing we got to do is know what the Bible says about fear. And fear is in the Bible a lot. Fear is mentioned over 500 times in Scripture. Over 500 times. Fear not is mentioned 365 times in the Bible. One for every day of the year. Interesting. Coincidence? I don't think so. Joshua said this, have I not commanded you, or what's it said to Joshua in Joshua 1.9, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Isaiah 41.10, so do not fear, for I am with you, do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The psalmist said in Psalm 3, I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. The psalmist in 27, verse 3, when an army besieged me, my heart, my heart will not fear. Psalm 91, you will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day. What is a terror at night? It's those things that lurk in the darkness. In other words, the unknown. As a believer... As a believer, there are promises all through Scripture. There's one in, in, in the passage that says, fear not, for, one for every single day of our year that tells us, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. But yet many of us are. Timothy, this young kid in the, in the New Testament, Timothy had a problem with fear and anxiety and timidity. How do you know that? It doesn't say anything. Yes, it does say it. 1 Corinthians 16, 10 says, when Timothy comes, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he's with you, for he's carrying on the work of the Lord. See, Corinth was a church that had issues with Paul. I mean, Corinth was a church that had all kinds of issues, period. They had all kinds of stuff going on in Corinth. But Paul is writing to them to correct the error that they had found themselves in. And they didn't like it. They were angry at Paul. They had all kinds of issues with Paul. And now Paul is sending Timothy into Corinth. And maybe Timothy had some anxiety or fear that he was going to be attacked the way his mentor was. Could have happened. But Paul also tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 1, For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Even people in scripture, the people of faith, they're in the hall of all these, they, they dealt with fear. We all have to deal with it. We have to know what the Bible says about it. The third thing about fear, the third way to overcome it is recognize the spirit of fear does not come from God. Paul said to Timothy, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but what has he given us? But a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Okay. Now let me, let me stop right here and, and answer this question because I've had people ask it before. Can fear be sinful? Is fear sinful? Some of it can be. Fear in and of itself is a healthy thing. But when fear masters us and keeps us from doing the things that we are supposed to do on a daily basis, 
and keeping us from doing the will and way of God, then yes, fear can be a sin. Fear can be a sin. I can't determine where that is for you. You have to determine that for yourself. I can tell you this, that you've got to be careful when your fears keep you away from the community of faith. You have to be careful there. At some point and sometime, you've got to step up and go, I will not be mastered by this anymore and move forward in it. Spirit of fear does not come from God. Number four, and this is where we really get into the nuts and bolts of overcoming fear. Accept God's unconditional love for you. You see, a lot of people, tell, a lot of people will tell you that the opposite of fear is faith. The opposite of fear is faith, but the opposite of fear is not faith. Dr. Ryan Darrow was with us a few weeks ago, and he said on Saturday morning, one of the first things he said was, the opposite of fear is love. And that's what it is in Scripture. The opposite of fear is not faith. Oh, I've just got to have faith. No. No, because perfect faith doesn't drive out fear. Okay? We good? All right, so let's look in. So we've got to accept God's unconditional love for us, which means it doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter where you are right now. It doesn't matter where you come from or what your activities are right now. You need to know that God loves you unconditional. His love is unconditional, that he never turns his back on you. He always looks to you. His face is always turned toward you. He will love you. He will accept you and forgive you regardless of what you're doing or what you have done. God's love is unconditional. And it's the beginning of that love, as we accept that, that we begin to move away from the fear that dominates our life. The second thing is this, that we've got to love God with all. Mark 12, 30, love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and with all your strength. We have to accept God's unconditional love for us, and then we have to turn around and love, every, love God with every fiber of our being. I love God with my heart. I love God with my soul. I love God with my mind. And I love God with my strength. That's total possession. We give everything that we have to God because of our love for him. And if we could accept his unconditional love, and if we love God with all, then who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or, or pandemic or nakedness or sword or danger? As it is written, for your sake we face death. We're considered sheep to be slaughtered. But no, in all of these things, notice this, in all of these things, in all of the negative and all of the stuff that comes, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And then he says this, for I am doubtful. Right? No? No? I am optimistic. No. For I am convinced. I am convinced that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, the present nor the future, nor any powers, height nor depth, or anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So not only do, do we accept God's unconditional love, we love God with all. And because we love God with all and because of his unconditional love, nothing will ever separate us from the love of God that we find in Christ Jesus. Amen. Nothing. The love of God is important, and our love of God is important. So here's where the faith comes in. Here's where the faith comes in. By faith, we have to know, I am convinced. 
By faith, know that God's unconditional love for us and our love for him drives out all fear. 1 John 4, 16. We know how much God loves us. Do you? Do you know how much God loves you? And we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. Yes, in the opening part of this, of this passage, I'm not taking it out of context. I understand that fear in this passage in the opening portions of it is the fear of judgment. But the kicker for the believer, for the child of God is this. Perfect love says it will cast out all fear. Not just fear of judgment, but fear of a pandemic, fear of death, fear of, fear of abuse, fear of a wreck, fear of all kinds of sickness and anything else. Fear goes away when love has its reign in our life. Perfect love expels fear. Perfect love simply meaning more mature. The more we know Christ, the more we love God with all, the more we accept his unconditional love in our life, more perfect, more mature, and that love of God, that love from God and our love of God drives out all fear that's in our life. When Paul told Timothy that the spirit of fear did not come from God, he also told him that certain things did come from God. Timothy? God has not given you a spirit of fear, but what? A power, love, and sound mind. I don't really know why the writers of, in some of the earlier translations, like the King James, the New King James, and others used the term sound mind because it doesn't, in the, in the literal, it doesn't mean sound mind. But that sounds like if you got fear, you're crazy. Right? But you're not. What it really means when you, when you find out and you do the word study, what it means is he's not giving us a spirit of fear and timidity, but power, love, and self-discipline. Power, love, and self-discipline. I told you earlier that I have a fear of public speaking. Uh, and when I tell you I have a fear of public speaking, it goes back to birth, I guess. Because I was born, you know, a long, long time ago. For one thing, <clears throat> as you know, just crossed over in that six-decade thing. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. I didn't hear that. I'm just going to keep on going. <clears throat> but here's the deal. I, I, I was such a shy, timid kid. Um, I mean, you just didn't, I didn't want to... I never liked being in front of people, didn't want to be in front of people, didn't like anything like that. In elementary school, in middle school, in high school, and even in college, um, I couldn't get up in front of people and do this. Um, and even after, even after I was, I was called to the ministry in four, at 14 years of age, but and, and the very next week, my pastor put me in up on the Sunday night to preach. And, and let me tell you something: no 14-year-old should have to do that <laughs> because it just wrecked me on two fronts. Number one, because it just scared the living tar out of me. But the other piece of it is that it put me on such, under such a microscope in, at 14, 15, 16, and 17 years of age that everybody, pastor goes, so when's the, Bill is called into the ministry. And now everything that I did was gauged through what he said and the filter that, okay, you're going to be in the ministry, and so why are you doing that? 
And I was 14. So I did a lot of things that probably wasn't conducive to ministry. And it got worse as I got a little older. Okay? If I had to go to the board and do a, do a problem on the board, I don't even know if, you'd get, if they do that anymore, but they did back. You had to go do a math problem. I just, no, I'm not doing it. Well, you're going to get a zero. Fine. Give me the zero. You got to give an oral book report. No. You're going to get a zero. Give me the zero. Get into middle school, same thing. High school, same thing. Could not get in front of people and stand like I stand here. My first year of college, I skipped my senior year of high school and I went to college. Had to take speech. And you had to give a three-minute speech in front of seven people. Zero. Zero. Failed it. Failed the class. My mom thought I wasn't going to graduate from high school. Almost didn't because I couldn't give a speech in front of seven people. And then when I was about 18 years old, maybe I just graduated from high school and, and I was driving across town one night coming back home and I was just singing in my truck and all of a sudden I had this experience with God. Now, I can't tell you how I got from point A to my parents' house. I don't know how I got there. I really don't. I just know that when I really came to my senses, I was standing in, in the living room of my parents' home, and I was praying in my prayer language. Now, for those of you that are not Pentecostal and you don't understand what I'm talking about, don't, don't get weirded out, okay? Okay, I'm not talking to you about the weird stuff that you've heard about in Pentecost where everybody's speaking in tongues and all this kind of stuff. I am talking about the gift of tongues. I am, Yes. Because I was baptized in the Holy Spirit that night. And that experience changed my life when it comes to this. I'm still an unbelievable introvert. My wife's known me longer than anybody but my mom and dad and my sisters. And she will tell you that I am an introvert. I'm an introvert. I just I don't do well. I don't like it. I love people, just don't like to be around crowds. <laughs> you know, you're a strange bird for a pastor. Probably. <laughs> Probably. But I'm telling you, from that, from that night, from that night, something changed in me. Now, leading up to getting on a platform, up until about three or four years ago, maybe five years ago now, I had, every Sunday I would get here, we had a little lady in our church, she's still alive, they, they live in their kind of shut-ins now, but she was our mission secretary, and every Sunday, because she had heard me say something about it when I first became the pastor of this church, and, and so that's, the next Sunday I came into my office and there was, there was a, a ginger ale and a little pack of crackers on my desk. And so every Sunday for... 25 years, I had to drink a ginger ale and a pack of crackers to settle my, settle my stomach before I got on the platform because it's just not real conducive. You're up and you're scared and you just, bleh, you know. <laughs> Especially now with cameras. That would be on YouTube and everywhere. <laughs> Preacher hurls on live camera. <laughs> but I had to for, for decades, literally for two and a half decades, I had, to, I had to drink ginger ale every morning before I got up here on the platform. 
It's better now. I've just gotten to in the last five or six years where I can eat a scone or something like that. It's probably the healing power of the scone that's helped. You know, I don't know. But, you know. but I, I tell you all that to help you understand something. That I can't do this in any other forum than this. You ask me to go give a speech on something else and stand in front of people and do it, and it, the answer is a no. But when it comes to being a pastor, when I step to the place, I still get nervous. I'm still nervous. The nerves don't leave until I step up here. When I start, then I'm settled, and it's fine. The reason is because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay? As a believer, that is a gift that God has given to and for every one of us. Your love for God, the love of God, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit will change your life. Okay? It will change your life. I'm not talking about anything that's weird out here. I'm talking about something that is 100% biblical. I'm not talking about something that's going to make you do something that is not internally you, okay? God takes what he created in you and he enhances it by his love and through his spirit. That's what he does. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is something that will change your life. In my life, next to salvation, it is the most most life-changing, transformative event that's ever taken place in my life. And we're going to pray for you in just a few minutes. For those of you that want this gift, we're going to pray for you to receive that. On Sunday morning? Yes, on Sunday morning. On Sunday morning. Because here's what I know. There are some of you that deal with fear at levels that's unhealthy. You deal with fear at levels that that keep you from doing the things that you need to do. I'm not talking about a demonic thing. There's some elements of fear that are demonic. But what I am talking to you about this morning is that the transformative power of the Holy Spirit What is the whole deal with that, Phil? Here's the whole deal. Acts 1.8 says this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Remember remember Paul told Timothy, he's not giving us a spirit of fear, but what is a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of self-discipline. Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. The word power there means dunamis. It's where we get our, our, our word dynamite from. You, you receive that power. You receive those, those abilities after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. What we see all through the book of Acts. You say, well, when that happened, they had, they had tarried for a long time. Only one time in Scripture do we see this whole thing where they waited. Okay? From the ascension to Pentecost, there was this waiting period. But every time after that, they just when they believed and when they laid hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit. There's one place that Paul, the, the apostles went in there and they said, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? And they went, we didn't even know there was anything like the Holy Spirit. They laid hands on them, they prayed, the Holy Spirit fell on them, boom, their lives were transformed. It's transformed. That's the power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's not anything to be afraid of. It's not anything to be ashamed of. It is simply a biblical reality that is for every believer. You say, well, do I have to speak in tongues? Don't you let God worry about that. I can tell you this. When I'm in fearful and anxious scenarios, my prayer language is what gets me through it. Do I say, do you have to? Eh. Do you need to? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It should be something you want. 
Doesn't make you weird. It's not, you're not going to go through the grocery store with your hands raised and see me tie my bow tie or something like that. It's not what it's for. It's a devotional gift. The gift of tongues, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, is a, is a devotional gift. It is to be used in our prayer language. It is to be used in our prayer time. It is to be used in our devotional life. It is to be lessened in the public worship. The problem with Pentecost is the, that we've overused it and abused it in the public setting. We've overused it and we've abused it in the public setting. Paul's writing to Corinth because they had abused it in the public setting. He's a waste. Hold on. Listen, 10,000 words in a tongue? Give me just a couple words in prophecy. That's preferable. Everybody okay? Stand with me this morning. Altar team, why don't you make your way to the front? I'm not done preaching. I've got two more points. But right now, right now the table is set. Right now, the Holy Spirit is in this place. The same spirit that was hovering over the waters of the deep at the beginning before creation began is the same spirit that's in this room this morning. I'm not talking about the spirit of God that comes into your life when you receive Christ. That is the Holy Spirit, yes, and you are full of the Holy Spirit when you, when you, when you believe. Yes, you are. But all through the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit comes upon them. The Holy Spirit comes upon them. And this morning, some of you that are racked with fear, some of you that are racked with anxiety and timidity, you need the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life. Justin, is there some way we can dim the house lights a little bit? Thank you, buddy. I want to ask you right now, if you've never received the gift of the Holy Spirit in your life, if you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your life, but you want to this morning, whether you're dealing with fear or not, you want this gift because I'm telling you, it's an awesome thing. It'll change your life. If you need it, if you want it, come right now in Jesus' name. Begin to move out right now in the name of Jesus. Step forward and move. I want this gift. Nobody's going to be speaking in tongues over you. Nobody's going to be doing anything weird. We're not going to be yelling at you, hang on, hang on. Others yelling, let go, let go, let go. We're not going to be doing anything like that. We're simply going to pray in Jesus' name. Receive the Holy Spirit. And it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Some of you will hear, you will hear some syllables and some words in your mind. In your mind. You've got to speak that. If it's the gift of tongues that comes at this moment, it will. The gift of tongues may come in your life later, but ultimately it will come. But I believe for many of you, it's going to happen this morning in this house. It's going to happen in this house this morning. Those of you that are out there, you can come down here at any time. But right now, what I need you to do is begin to intercede. Slip your hand this way and begin to pray. For those of you that are believers and you've received the gift of the Holy Spirit, just under your breath, begin to speak. Begin to use your prayer language over these individuals. Not out loud where you can draw attention to anybody because we're not doing that. That's what this is for. This is about devotion. This is about intercession right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray over every one of these individuals in this room that's across the front of this building, God. Those that have come down to receive the gift of your Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Father, I'm simply going to pray the way your son prayed over his disciples. I'm simply going to just speak over their life right now the way the apostles did. When we lay hands on them, we simply say this morning and we pray over each and every person, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit from the left side of this stage all the way to the right side of this stage and everything in between. Holy Spirit, fall in this house. 
Holy Spirit, fall in this house. Begin to rest on these individuals in this life, in this, in this altar this morning. Change their life. Transform them, Father. May a spirit of power replace the spirit of fear. May a spirit of love replace the spirit of fear. May a spirit of self-discipline replace timidity and fear this morning. Father, when the Holy Spirit is there, anxiety has to go. When the Holy Spirit is there, timidity has to go. When the Holy Spirit is there, fear has to leave. May your love grow stronger and stronger. Your word teaches that it has to be perfect love. That's not that perfection. That's a mature love, God. May we grow in you. And may we accept your love unconditionally. And then may we turn around and love you the same way, God, with our entire being, God. Fill these individuals around the front of this building with your baptism today, Father. Fill them with your Holy Spirit, God. Rest on them, O God. They will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Just begin to rest on them now, Holy Spirit. God, those that are receiving their prayer language this morning, Father, give them the, give them the strength and the ability just to speak it out right now. Just begin to speak it out right now in Jesus' name. Do your work now, Holy Spirit. Do your work, Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. 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 Be glorified in this house. Be glorified in this house.
begin to thank him all over this house. Just begin to thank him for the Holy Spirit that's been poured out upon all these that were around the front of this building today. Come on, give him praise in the house this morning. He's worthy to be praised. He's worthy to be adored. Lives have been transformed in this place this morning. Yes, God. Yes, God. All right, just hang tight. Only just a, just a couple of minutes and we'll be done, okay? But here's what I want to tell you. For all of you that came down across the front this morning, okay? And for those of you that didn't, but you're back there wondering, eh, I don't know about this. I didn't receive my prayer. I didn't speak in tongues. I, okay, fine. Doesn't mean that you haven't received the baptism of the Holy Spirit because it's simply at the laying on of hands. Yeah, but I thought that was a manifestation. Notice what it says. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And I know I hear my, feel my credentials hanging by a thread this morning a little bit, but here's the deal. That will come later. But here's what I want to, I want to coach you real quick, okay? And then we'll close the sermon out. You are not going to receive your prayer language until you choose to speak in your prayer language. Okay, God doesn't send big old angels down here to hold you and open your mouth, pry your mouth open and grab your tongue. and He didn't do that. But when you hear something in your mind, you begin to speak in your prayer language. It's going to happen in prayer. For me, it happened in my truck. It's going to happen in some strange places. It won't happen at Walmart. Okay? It could not. Well, I guess it could, but it won't. But here's what I want you to understand this morning. When you begin to hear that, it may sound strange to your mind. You begin to speak that out and just begin to speak whatever it is that God is placing in your spirit. They spoke in other tongues as the spirit gave utterance as the spirit prompted them kind of like you know cue cards on a play or something like that or a teleprompter that a lot of our presidents can't seem to read but God's teleprompter you can read it clearly when you see that when you hear that you speak that and then you begin to pray in it every day every day when you get anxious you begin to pray under your breath pray and use your prayer language I'll be, I'll be straight up honest with you. At my, at my, at my stage in life and my age, I pray in, in my spirit language. I pray in my prayer language way more than I pray in English anymore. When things get really tight and things are really going rough, I begin to speak, you know, pray in my prayer language. Because when I do that, the Bible says what? My spirit is edified. I'm built up. I'm built up. This is not a weird thing, guys. It's not a weird thing. This is as natural. It's as naturally supernatural as anything that you could possibly do. And it's transformative in your life, okay? Last two points and we'll close. Here we go. You got to take negative thoughts captive. Negative, fear-driven thoughts captive. Yeah, but if I do that, then this horrible thing is going to happen. Yeah, but if you do that, there may be great blessings come into your life. Okay? What does he say? Second Corinthians 10, 5. We demolish arguments. There's that stronghold. And every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedience to Christ. Here's what I want you to know. The blood of Jesus defeats the sin in our life. Once and for all, his blood was shed. Our sin is covered. Past, present, and future. The blood of Jesus washes away every stain of sin. Okay? The blood of Jesus covers that. But here's what you need to understand. When the enemy comes in with negative, fear-driven thoughts, it is the name of Jesus. 
Submit yourself to God. What does that mean? That means love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and your strength, and you accept his unconditional love for you. You submit yourself to God. Resist the devil in Jesus' name, and he will run. Okay? That's how we do that. The last thing. You've done all these things. I had had a nine-point sermon, and I don't know how long. But here's number nine. Here's number nine. Now, you're leaving this house. You're leaving this house full of the Holy Spirit. You're leaving this house full of the love of God, full of love for God. Now you leave this house, you face your fears with the full knowledge and faith that God is bigger than any fear that you have. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. John 14, 27, he said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace that I give is a gift the world cannot give. So do not be troubled or afraid. And then Isaiah 41, 10, we read it earlier. Do not fear. God is speaking to you this morning. Do not fear. I am with you. Do not be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And everybody in this house said amen this morning. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. He's worthy to be praised and he's worthy to be adored in this house. All right. Next week, overcoming fear of failure. But before we leave, let's pray the Lord's Prayer together, okay? Tommy, you got anything you need to tell them? Okay, let's pray the Lord's Prayer and we'll dismiss. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen, amen. Come on, give the Lord one more hand clap of praise. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you Wednesday night.